0: Chapter Twelve of the Harbor This Liebervox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. The Harbor by Ernest Poole. Chapter Twelve. Meanwhile, in the late autumn, Eleanor had come back to town. I had a note from her one day. Come and tell me what you are writing, she said. I went to see her that afternoon and I was deeply excited. I had often felt her by my side when I was watching The Harbour Life, and as often behind me while I wrote. We had had long talks together, absorbing talks about ourselves, and though now in her easy welcome and through all her cheerful questions there was not a suggestion that we two had been or ever would be anything but genial friends, this did not discourage me in the least." No fellow, I thought, could be happy as I and have nothing better than friendship ahead. The fates could never be so hard, for certainly now they were smiling. Here was her apartment, just the place I had felt it would be, only infinitely more attractive. High up above the Manhattan jungle it was quiet and sunny and charming here. From the low, wide living-room windows you could see miles out over the harbor where my work was going so splendidly. And all around the room itself I saw what I was working for. Eleanor's touch was everywhere. An intimate, lovable, feminine home with man-sized views from its windows. Just like Eleanor herself, from whom I found it difficult to keep my hungry eyes away. To that soft, bewildering hair of hers, she had done something different. I couldn't tell what, but I loved it. I loved the changing tones of her voice. I hate monotonous voices. I watched the smiling lights in her eyes. She was at her small tea-table now. Her motorboat, thank heaven, was laid up for the winter, and I had her right here in a room with nothing to do with her eyes but pay a decent amount of attention to me. Then by some chance remark I learned that she had been reading what I wrote, almost all of it, in fact, and at that slight exclamation I made I saw her color slightly and bite her lip as though she were angry with herself for having let that secret out. "'What do you want to write?' she asked, when you get through with the harbor. "'Fiction,' I said. "'I want it so hard sometimes that it seems like a long way ahead.' "'It seems sometimes,' I added, "'like a girl I'd fallen in love with, but I couldn't even ask her, because I'm so infernally poor.' Over the teacup at her lips Eleanor looked thoughtfully straight into and through and behind my eyes. "'Fiction is such a broad field,' she remarked. "'What kind do you think you're going to try?' "'I don't know,' I answered. "'It still seems so far ahead. You see, I have no name at all, and this harbor at least is a good safe start. I'm afraid I'm rather a cautious sort. When I find what I want, and want so hard that it's the deepest part of me, I like to go slow. I'm afraid to risk losing it all.' Deciding my life one way or the other, by taking a chance. I made a restless movement. I wasn't speaking of my work just then," I added gruffly. I suddenly caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror back of Eleanor's chair, and I glared at myself for the fool that I was to have said all that. I hadn't meant to, not in the least. What a paltry-looking cuss I was, small, tough, and wiry hair sandy, eyes of no color at all, snub nose, and a jaw shut tight as in pain. "'You're a queer person,' said a voice. "'I am,' I agreed forlornly. "'I'm the queerest fellow I ever met.' I caught a grim twinkle in my eyes. Thank God for a sense of humor. "'Sometimes,' she went on reflectively, "'you seem to me as old as the hills, and again so young and obvious.' I'm so sorry to hear you say that you weren't talking of your work. I like to hear men talk of their work. I know you do, I said hungrily, and that's one of the reasons why you're going to mean so much some day, to somebody's work, and to his whole life. Why couldn't I stop? Had I gone insane? I rose and moved about the room. A low, rippling laugh brought me back to my senses. But how about me and my life, she asked. "'That ought to be thought of a little, you know.' I came close beside her. "'Let me say this, won't you? I promise never to say it again. Your life is going to be all right. It's going to be quite wonderful. You'll be tremendously happy. I'm sure of that. It's not only the way you always look, it's the way you always think and feel. It's everything about you.' She had looked down at her hands for a moment. Now she looked up suddenly. "'Thank you,' she said, smiling, in a way that told me to smile too. I obeyed. "'I did that rather badly, didn't I?' I said. "'No, you did that rather well. Especially the first part. I think I liked that best of all, the part where you promised so solemnly that you'd never do it again.' I went indignantly back to my chair. "'Do you know,' I said, "'I feel sometimes when I'm with you as though I were being managed.' "'Absolutely managed.' "'I should think you wouldn't like that,' she replied. Her hands were peacefully folded now and she looked at me serenely. "'I should think you'd rather manage yourself.' I took the hint. "'From that day on, each time I came to see her, I managed myself severely, and this apparently pleased her so much that she seemed no longer the least afraid to let me know her as well as I liked.' Her father, too, when I met him now and then in the evenings, was most kindly in his welcome, and as winter wore on my hopes rose high. But one evening, after Dylan had read my story about the Christmas boat, he gave me a bitter disappointment. "'I like it,' he said as he handed it back. "'It's a fine, dramatic piece of work. But it's only a starter here. To get any idea of our problem you'll have to go all over the harbor." When you've done that for a few months more, and I get back for my trip abroad, I'll be glad to help you. You're going abroad? I asked abruptly. Next month, he said, with Eleanor. She seems to think I need a rest. Back came the old feeling of emptiness, and gloomily at home that night I wondered if it was because she knew she was leaving so soon that she had been so intimate lately. How outrageous women are! End of chapter 12 Recording by Tom Weiss